A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many things. Continue with verse 53. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard He was. And wherever He went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged Him to let them touch even the edge of His cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know where the saying originated, but the first time I heard it, I heard it out of the words, out of the mouth of my wife. And you might recognize it. Just bear with me. I have to set this up because I really want you to laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a reason for that. We'll get to that eventually. But I heard these words out of, my, out of my wife's mouth for the first time and I don't remember when and I don't remember where we were and I don't remember who it was we were talking to because for some reason that part of my brain just doesn't work very well. I can watch a movie a month later that I saw and not remember seeing the movie and then be disappointed when I know how it ends at the end. Anybody else have that problem? I've had that problem for a long time. As a matter of fact, we saw a movie one time that I had completely forgotten we had seen and I was telling Samantha we were going to watch it. She said, we've already seen that. It wasn't any good. But I heard her say to somebody, if you ever see me running, you'd better... You heard that before? What's after you'd better? Start. Laugh. <laughs> she said, if you see me running, you'd better start. And that's a funny thing that people say, but do you know that's kind of rooted down in that deep part of our brain where the reptilian and, and, and whatever parts of our brains that respond with fight or flight. Have you ever heard that before? There's a part of our brain when it gets caressed with something that threatens us, we either fight or run. And she says, if you ever see me running, you better start. Now somewhere buried in that is a joke about not liking to run and all that kind of stuff. But the reason it's really funny is that we know that that's the right response, don't we? You see a group of people running from downtown, you're not going to run to downtown and see what's happening. Nobody's going to do that. Well, except some people. We call them heroes and that kind of thing. Policemen, firefighters. What in the world does that have to do with this text today or these two texts that we heard? I wonder if you notice that Jesus has 
gotten into a place where his disciples have come back and they've started talking about all these amazing things that had happened simply because they went out to teach what Jesus had taught them. You hear that, church? I want you to hear that first. Before we do anything else, I want you to hear that there is power in you sharing the words of Jesus with people who've never heard them before. If it was powerful then, it can be powerful now. That's simple math. If A equals B back then, then A equals B now. That's plain in lieu before us, church. If we share the teachings of Jesus, people's lives will be changed. So if we want to be a people who's changed, see people's lives changed, then what should we do? Share the teachings of Jesus. Did you enjoy that math lesson? I want you to hold on to that. That's important because when Jesus sees them, He says they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus began teaching them out of response. He saw that they were like sheep as without a shepherd and His response to them was to teach them. I don't know anything about sheep except stuff that I've heard in sermons and stuff that I've read on devotional websites online. But I was surprised a few years ago when I was using this same text to find out that most of that wasn't true. That sheep aren't necessarily the hapless creatures that preachers point them out to be sometimes. But they do in fact need the flock. They're like the other birds that you see, grackles and starlings, that need that protection of a flock. Because they don't have any real way to defend themselves. They defend themselves by herding together. You've seen blackbirds fly through the skies and you've seen them shift directions when a hawk approaches. And you've seen how that whole cloud seems to move as one. They move in a single direction at one time. And what Jesus looked up and saw was a people who didn't have direction. They didn't have that safety of knowing where they were going, who they were, who they were with, and who they should be. What they had instead was something kind of similar to the rugged individualism that we're told we're supposed to have. To rely on ourselves, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to solve all our own problems. But yet God seems to want to create a people for us. A church to come and be happy about being in the midst of. Remember when you said this morning you were glad to be here? That's a reaction out of other parts of your brain that know that when you're together with people who are moving in the same direction, you're safe. What happens to sheep without a shepherd? I don't know. But there's some musings about that in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel writes that Israel has been sheep without a shepherd because the kings of Israel have been doing whatever they want to. And the priests of Israel have been doing whatever they wanted to. Whatever they ascribed to, whatever their hearts desired, and they had treated the people as a thing to be consumed. Remember poor John the Baptist last week who had his life treated as something to be consumed. And Ezekiel says that God said to them, Are you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves? Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you close yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. 
You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost. But with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered. Sheep without a shepherd scatter. And they open themselves up to being wounded. They become food for the wild animals. They become easy prey for their enemies. And so God says that since those appointed as shepherds would not shepherd the sheep, God says, For thus says the Lord, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And dear ones, I believe that was fulfilled when the Son of God seated there looked out and saw the crowds and saw them coming to Him and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What in the world had divided them? What could it have been that came in and disrupted the shepherd's eyes away from the flock? What was it that caused the flock to see each other as enemies and people they should squabble with and fight with? And the simple and utter plain answer is sin. And that's what sin always does to us. Sin divides us from the people that God gives us to hold us up and love us. Too many times I have heard someone say, I can't go to church right now because I've done something that I'm ashamed of and everybody knows it. My Lord, we're supposed to be a hospital for people just like that. Those are the people that we want here to come and sit with us so that we can hold them and love them and say, we've been there. We remember what that was like when we were without God in the world, when we felt lost, when we had separated ourselves from the flock, when we were like sheep without a shepherd, when we wondered where in the world our food would come from, who will protect us, where is the enemy of our souls attacking and bringing us down and dredging up every bad thing we've ever done to convince us that what we really need is to be by ourselves and sit alone in our misery. Huh? That's how people live today. They believe that there's nothing new in the world. But Paul says that God is breaking down the hostilities that divide us and all of the things that sin would create in us that divide and cause us to butt heads and rip families apart and rip communities apart. Paul says it's all rubbish, that there's only Christ. And he says, He, Jesus, is your peace. Huh? You want a shepherd. You want someone who will lead you to food, who will lead you to protection. He brings you to His church. And He charges His church with baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. So just as Jesus looked and saw the people with compassion and began teaching them the very words of God Himself, we are called too to take in those who are astray and lost and hurting and those who don't know the shepherd and to teach and lead and bring them to the still waters that give life. And Paul says that we are being built in that way into the dwelling place of God. Oh dear ones, you think you were happy to show up this morning. What would it be 
what would it be to your soul to show up to a place where people were being baptized every week? Where people were giving themselves to Christ every week? Where lives in the community were being shaken and rebuilt? Where hope was the order of the day because of a people called Manny? What would it be for us to surrender? What would it look like for us to give ourselves completely to this Jesus who wants to divide, tear down anything that divides us and build us into a place of healing and hope? You ever seen a church get mad at each other? Ever been to a church council meeting and gone home and wondered if Jesus was there at all? It doesn't have to be that way. If we remember our purpose, if we remember our mission to make disciples, if we remember who our shepherd is, if we commit to being part of the flock, the possibilities are endless. There's power in teaching the Word of God. There's even more power in living it. Living in the hope that Jesus is building something here that will shock us all. He is our peace. He breaks down the walls of hostility and creates a new humanity joined to Him and to the very heart of God. Y'all seen that movie Jurassic Park? Remember that? Remember how that starts? They find out that some scientist has decided he's going to put frog DNA and dinosaur DNA together and mix them up and, you know, get a dinosaur? Remember that? I had not read that book came out, but I promise you in the first five minutes of that movie, I knew that was going to go poorly. Who in the world thought this up? Let's bring back dinosaurs. But there's a very good illustration of what I'm talking about today. So if what I've said hasn't made sense, hold on to this. The doctor and Tim and the little girl are walking across this big giant meadow. Right, this is right after the dinosaur blew all the snot on her. Remember that? And they're walking across this big meadow. And the doctor looks up and he sees these little small dinosaurs running toward him in a little herd. And they go around here and they come down in a gully and come up. And he says, Tim, what are those? And Tim says, uh-uh. And he says the name of the dinosaurs. And the doctor says, they're moving in uniform directions as if they're evading a predator. Remember that? Anybody? I remember that because I remember thinking, there must be something coming. Run! If you see something running, run! Right? Remember, I started with that. Dear ones, what I want to see is you all running to the feet of Jesus so that other people will run there as well. I hope for that. To see you running to the feet of Jesus because, dear ones, there is a predator. The enemy desires nothing more than to tear your soul down with all of the wrong things you've ever done and bring them up every day of your life and keep you feeling as if there will never be peace for you. The enemy desires nothing more than to tear down your leaders, 
to tear down the leadership of the church and to tear down the church itself and convince us that there is no power in being one. To convince us that there is no power at the feet of Jesus, that there is no power at the foot of the cross, that there is no power in the teachings of Christ. The enemy desires nothing more than for you to believe that going to church is all there is and we go home and do whatever the rest of the week. But what Paul lifts up before us today is that we are being made into one, into a household that God may dwell in. We are being made into a place of peace where others can find peace. And that mission has a purpose to make disciples. We, we are God's handiwork. being perfected for the work that God has given us to do. And so Paul says, remember that Jesus is your peace. Run to his feet. I say this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.